Welcome to the Gill Athletics Connections Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Cunningham, National Sales Manager for Gill Athletics. Our goal today is to connect you with coaches from around the world to learn their journey, share their stories, and just figure out who they are and what they're all about. So without further ado, let's get on and find out what today's guest has in store for us. All right, buckle up. Uh, Normally on the Gill Athletics Track and Field Connections podcast, we've got one guest. Uh, Recently, I've had two guests. That has been a challenge because, uh, you know, it's it's uh, playing zone, no more one on one defense here today. I've got I got to count up the tiles here. Two, four, six. I've got six coaches. You've already seen who the guests are. I've got the entire staff. I couldn't pick just one of my favorites. So I just got everybody here. I got the entire staff of the U.S. Air Force Academy track and field uh, staff gang. How we doing? How's uh, how's your day today so far? <laughs> hey, great, Mike. Uh, just coming off of a conference championship. Looking forward to finding out later today who's uh, in the NCAA first round. So how uh, awesome is it that we're talking about having track meets, right? absolutely yeah if you're watching on youtube every one of the tiles we're like oh yeah thank goodness right <laughs> what, what were we all doing a year ago right now not not having as much fun <laughs> as we are right now so uh super excited we're going to learn a little bit about each one of the staffs here uh each one of the uh, coaches on the staff here today uh super excited to learn some of the uniquenesses about the air force academy and we've got one of the uh, grand poobahs uh in the sport of track and field coach ralph lindeman the head coach here at the air force academy uh, I'm going to have him play kind of uh, captain today. He's going to throw the ball around and make the other guys and gals talk when it's, when it's their time. So Ralph, let's start with you. I'd love to learn, why don't we talk about what some of the uniquenesses about the Air Force Academy? You know, we, we're familiar with the Colorado States and uh, UCLA's as much as we think we know them, right? But the Academy is something just a little bit different, a little bit more special. Talk to us about the Academy. What, what makes it so unique? Well, I would start with this, and it it, uh, it really doesn't differentiate us from anybody else, but uh, it's really important for us to win and to be successful. And um, we think there's no other way um, to coach young men and young women who are going to be serving their country that teach them how to win. Um, because uh, when they're serving in the military and big Air Force, um, they better know how to win. And so that's important to us, just like it is to every other institution in the country. And um, let, let's not kid, kid ourselves that um, that at the Air Force Academy, you know, it's not that important to win. It's just to do it right, do the right thing. And, and uh, but our, um, that, that's premise number one. The next thing is that our job is defined by our administration and our, um, and really all the way up to air staff at the Pentagon is our job is to develop leaders of character uh, through athletics. And, uh, and that's a job of all six of us that are on this, this call right now. We all take that very seriously, but we think teaching, um, um, developing leaders of character is also teaching them how to win. And uh, if we're gonna win, we gotta teach them how to run faster and jump higher and throw farther. And so that, that's, you know, that's kind of the, the big picture. There are many differences. Um, you know, the only one of us on this call that really had an Air Force Academy background is Dana, who was a student athlete here and a, a two-time NCAA champion in the Javelin. 
And, uh, but the, the other five of us um, had no background in the military whatsoever. And uh, we, we all came here and we all just uh, dialed in and bought in uh, to what our jobs were um, and to the limitations that we have, because that's sometimes uh, frightening when other people hear it, not as frightening to us, but um, you know, our, our athletes go through military training. There are several Saturdays during the fall um, where, you know, they're in military training, we'd like to be practicing with them and, and uh, even a few interruptions during the spring. Um, you know, things like taking physical fitness tests every semester that we have to do workarounds of our, our own workouts. So the, there's, there's some limitations that we have, but there's also some pretty amazing things about coaching at a service academy. Uh, we know where our athletes are sleeping every night. Uh, we know they're getting three hot meals a day. Um, you know, we know that their entire education is paid for. Every student here, not just every athlete, but every student is on the equivalent of a full ride scholarship. And so that that's kind of nice. You know, we have unlimited scholarships. We don't really, because we have an allotment of, the, of each class on how many we can bring in. And it's pretty liberal and it's good enough that we can develop winning teams. But um, you know, there's, uh, we don't have to worry about, you know, dorms. We don't have to worry about housing. We don't have to worry about meals. We don't have to worry about books. And, um, you know, we, we do have issues with discipline and we do have issues with, with, uh, with grades, but not near as many as any of us had at other institutions that we, we've coached at. Um, but this is not a perfect place. There's only one perfect place. Um, this is not it. And uh, so, you know, we, we, we've occasionally got discipline issues and issues that we as a staff, you know, talk about and dialogue about. And we just talked about one yesterday uh, from this last weekend's conference championship and things we need to do better. And um, so there, there's some ways that we're unalike, you know, unalike from other um, NCAA Division I institutions, certainly like our sister service academies at West Point and Annapolis. Um, but this is an amazing place to coach, and, and our, our coaches here are great fits um, to this institution. You know, you brought up discipline issues, and I didn't want to get the other coaches in trouble. So let's not talk about the coaches and their discipline <laughs> issues that they might have there. Um, it, it is interesting. One of the first things you said there was about, you know, teaching and coaching and leading competitiveness. And you kind of dispelled the myth of like, oh, well, it's an academy. So, you know, other things are more important, you know, the military life, the education, et cetera, but teaching and instilling competitiveness into our young men and women who are going to be in the air force when they graduate. Yeah. I never thought about that. That, that would be pretty important. I do want people who are going to be protecting us to have big time competitiveness inside their, uh, inside their genetics and then also taught. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, let some of our other coaches kind of weigh in and on how, because, you know, everyone's coached somewhere else. Um, Scotty's coached at three other Division One institutions and Ryan at, at two other and, and uh, Matt at a couple others and, and, uh, and Devin's coached at several others. So uh, let them weigh in a little bit about some of the differences at, a, at the Air Force Academy. Yeah, but before we get to the individual stories, yeah, that's a great, let me open up a question. What is the 
hardest part? Uh, you've all been to other institutions. What's the hardest part about recruiting to the academy? And then on the inverse, give me what's the e like what makes it life a lot easier? Ralph mentioned a lot of the things that maybe uh, other coaches don't uh, or do have to worry about that you don't. So what's the hardest and what's the easiest? And I'll just softball it up. Whoever wants to take that. I'll take it. All right, Scotty. Uh, I've been here for 14 years. I love it. You know, I've coached at Virginia, Wichita State, and New Mexico. Probably other than with the grades and making sure kids can get in, the hardest thing to sell these kids, it's not the military that they think it is. A lot of them think, you know, like it's going to be basic training, like they see on TV and stuff like that. People yelling at them all the time. And, and it really, they're, they're scared of it. But I find, you know, being here for 14 years, it's, it's, it's not near as bad as they think it is. Yeah, we do wear uniform to class every day. Yeah, there's some marching, stuff like that. But, but once classes start, it's like a normal school. We go to classes from basically seven to noon. We have a lunch break. You might have a, one or two classes after lunch. And then you come train just like any other school. We get our kids basically from 2.30 to 6.30 every day. We do lift at six o'clock in the morning sometimes. But I think the hardest thing is, is telling them it's not the scary military that they think it is. Yeah, we're military, but, but it's a lot like a normal school. You know, and, you know, the beautiful things about here is that we get to recruit the whole country. Mm. You know, we're not just limited. The, the bad thing, we don't get to recruit international, but we like staying with, with, within, within our borders and recruiting kids. And, you know, the great things about here is the education you're going to get. You know, you get a world-class education. You don't have to pay for a thing. We pay for you to go to school. But I think one of the, the unique things that people don't realize here is that every class you take here at the Air Force Academy, 25 to 27 students in that classroom, that is it. Oh, wow. You get to know your instructors on a first name basis, and our instructors are here to um, teach these kids. That's, that's our main goal, because once they graduate four years as a second lieutenant, they've got a job to serve their country, which for me, that's one of the coolest things being here 14 years is, is watching some of these kids go around the world and some of the cool things that they get to do, places they get to go, things that they get to do. Some of them can't tell us what they're doing now, but it's, it's, it's really <laughs> rewarding watching some of these kids who have, have done out and done some amazing things in, in the Air Force. But uh, recruiting here is tough, but, you know, just trying to, it's not the scary military, as I call it sometimes. It's, it's a lot like a normal school once you get going. And, and, you know, being here at Colorado Springs at the Air Force Academy, you know, it's just gorgeous. It's a bright, sunny day, and we're at 7,000 feet, so you can't beat it. But the, I think the hardest thing is, is convincing them to take the jump, join the military, because I tell kids when I talk to a 17-, 16-year-old, you know, we need eight, nine years of your life. I'm thinking, wow, that's a little bit crazy. But after those eight, nine years of your life, you're set for the rest of your life, mm. and you've opened some doors that can create some great opportunities. So that's kind of my two cents. How many kids are at the cat? What's, what's the enrollment? Roughly about 4,000. Oh, about yeah. Because you mentioned you know, about 25 per class. That's, I mean, yeah. that's the sweet spot right there, actually. Yeah. Yeah, we bring in roughly about 25 or so, but roughly there's about 4,000 to 4,200 cadets here. You know, each year bring in 1,000. And th that's right. They're cadets, not students. I, I, I'll, cadets. I'll, I'll make sure I get my lingo right as we go through. <laughs> here. Um, and, and as you guys are recruiting, are you, I mean, you know, the academy is so unique in the sense of, you talked about the financial aspect of it and then the commitment aspect of it as well, uh, which is a, a benefit, right? Uh, right now, there's a lot of mm -hmm. kids graduating that don't have jobs, uh, unfortunately. Uh, these cadets have jobs when, when they graduate, when they receive their we, degree. We like to say they have a career when they graduate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that. What, what is So as you're recruiting, 
are the majority of, of kids that you're recruiting, do they, are they reaching out to you because they have interest in an academy life? Or are you recruiting kids that meet the standards that you would like in your conference? And you are then explaining what academy life looks like. Uh, I think we're recruiting kids. Uh, all the coaches, we go out. It's, it's like a lot like a normal school that I've been. We reach out to kids very, through social media, questionnaires, you know, and, and then when the kid gets information back, you got to, coaches got to got to say, can they make it academically? Do they have the marks that we want to be to be in a competitive division one school, which we are. So, so I think it's a lot like normal places. We, we send out thousands and thousands of, of uh, you know, quite Instagram and stuff, at, at, and we're recruiting the whole country. So it, it's a lot like a normal school. So you've got to find the right fit to get the right people, like what we say on the bus here at the Academy. If I remember correctly, there's more than just an application process, right? Maybe <laughs> there's a um, nomination by a congressman or woman. Is that correct? So if that's correct, they're all shaking their heads. Yes, by the way. Um, do you have to start recruiting athletes earlier? Like if you get someone on your radar their senior year and it's April, May, is that too late because they don't have time to do the whole process? I'll let someone else talk if they'd like to. I was going to mute you, Scotty, so we can give other people a chance. Good. Who, who wants to jump in there? Ryan, go ahead. So we do start reaching out a little bit earlier because the application process is so long. So when they go through the application process, there's really a two-fold process, one with admissions and getting all their ducks in the row to get um, an admissions offer, a letter of assurance that they're going to have a spot in the incoming class. And then the other aspect of that is the nomination component. Hmm. Um, so it's almost like going through two different application processes. And then our application deadline for materials is 31 January of their senior year. So yeah, if there are those kind of late bloomers that they do really well in their senior track season, unless they have the application already done, uh, they would have to reapply the following year. So we are a little bit limited uh, from a track and field standpoint in going off of, you know, junior, sophomore marks um, in the distance running areas. You have at least cross country season that you can kind of eval off of their senior year. But yeah, they, they need to get going on the application pretty quick and it opens in the summer and it is a, a very thorough process. So we tried to make contact junior year, start to inform them about the process, encourage them to start reviewing the admissions process on our website and then have them get going on that. And then in turn, we use that as indicative of their interest level a little bit. You know, sure. there are individuals that are really going on it and checking a lot of the boxes and completing the steps on the app. Then we're, we're going to hone in on those individuals and then some other people that maybe aren't quite so proactive with getting going in the application process um, that may be reflective of their interest level. And so we continue to reach out to them, but uh, they do need to have all the materials done by the middle of winter um, or else that opportunity is, is passed. Well, Ryan, how, and we're going to learn this, but Ryan, how long have you been at the Academy? Uh, this is my seventh year. Yeah, I could tell you've done this a couple of years. You're like, you know, it's indicative of their interest level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I got it. Uh, you, you've said that uh, that line a few times and uh, talking to parents and coaches and athletes, I get it. Uh, it's a little known fact that I actually am uh, was an academy light person. <laughs> Let me explain because you guys all just... I saw all, all the eyes roll right there. So little known fact, I actually, this is not a joke this time. Stop laughing, Scotty. Uh, I was an Air Force ROTC scholarship winner out of high school. That's why I say Academy Light. So I went to 
uh, not the academy, but was in ROTC. So I had, you know, I, I, I did drill the march in. I had to, you know, I did the kind of like, and uh, loved it actually. My family was Air Force. That's how I kind of knew about that path and was honored to win that scholarship. Um, but they made me major in engineering. And that was, that, that was not me. Anybody who knows me is like, oh yeah, yeah, no, this guy couldn't have done that. And he did not do that. <laughs> is the academy, um, is engineering a major part of the academy's academic offerings? So now, Dana, you're shaking your head, so I'm going to call on you this time uh, and make you uh, talk here. Dana, you shook your head. Yes, engineering's a big part. Yes. So the STEM is is big uh, is a big part of our curriculum: science, technology, engineering, mathematics. Um, every cadet, no matter what your degree is, is going to graduate with a bachelor's of science. And so you take basically an introductory level, um, which could be a three or four hundred level course um, when you get to your junior and senior year of every engineering discipline and every humanities and, and his history, military strategic studies discipline. So um, I ended up being a systems engineering management major with a civil engineering focus. Um, wow. But I took aero, astro, civil, mechanical engineering, um, two semesters of chemistry and physics. Um, so even if you're a history major, English major, philosophy major, um, you're still gonna take all of the engineering courses. And likewise, as an engineering major, um, you're also going to take all the humanity, humanities and social science uh, classes as well. So where, where, our curriculum is is uh, stout, if you will. Yeah. I think the average uh, course load per semester is 18 semester hours. Average. Average. But like back to Scotty's point about having only, you know, 25 students in a classroom, you know, I can attest to that, that every, um, we have 600 professors or instructors at the academy. Um, I think 40% of those are active duty um, professors. And so not only did they major in that, you know, in their undergrad studies, but also got a master's doctorate or um, a PhD level in that, um, in that discipline. And they've also then therefore served in that discipline and then come back to teach wow. the academy. So you're having conversations uh, on a daily basis. We don't have tuition, or excuse me, <laughs> we don't have teacher's assistance. Um, so whoever is, is your instructor is the one who is um, standing in front of you for 53 minutes a day, um, and also unlike probably any other college, and I can't speak to other colleges, but um, on day one of your first, you know, your first class, your instructor tells you about, you know, their family, their career, and gives you their personal cell number, and says call anytime you want. And so there's not office hours um, per se. Um, it's 7:30 to 4:30, and the job of our instructors is to make our kids successful and so if you're not getting it in class um <clears throat> they have to make themselves available for tutoring we call it ei or extra instruction um, we also have a qualitative reasoning center which is where um uh instructors volunteer their time for three hours a night and they just take turns um so calculus chemistry and then people that can read all of your papers ahead of time so i teach a lot or, or talk to our athletes a lot about proactive responsibility and so if you know you have a paper coming up, go write a rough draft. And I can speak from experience that I would write a whole lot of stuff down and maybe didn't know what I was talking about. I'd go see an instructor and they'd flip and lay the whole thing out for me. Same with all your homework assignments. And so, you know, the job for the instructors is to make you successful. And so if you care about um, your success at the academy and you're struggling, reach out, get help. Um, there's not been one person that's ever been turned down. Yes, Scotty needs all the help you can get, right? Um, no, you're not gonna get turned down by an instructor. What's that, Scott? I'm available for two also. So 
I'll, I'll let that one go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because I did have a follow-up question for Dana. Dana, I didn't hear where does underwater basket weaving fit into this course curriculum? I, I think I it's called water survival and um, they jump <laughs> off a 10 meter, jump down, get a, you know, a 160 pound dummy swim under the bulkhead. But yeah, I that's think a, that's where it came in. That's a good point. The academies, they do have underwater basket weaving, but yeah, it's jumping out of uh, helicopters, jumping off. Yeah, yeah, good point. Hey, and I'm super excited. You know, the academies are famous for acronyms and initials you've already yeah. kicked off the uh, ei I, use any? I thought i explained them oh no you ei'd it right you explained it but i'm saying okay, you cool. ei'd right in okay. i'm just excited to learn more uh you, you said something about i can't you use the big word qualitative something something Reasoning i was like oh. center qrc yeah, yeah. and i was like qrc yeah yeah, yeah that's it. i was like that's, yeah, that's the yeah QRC. I, I knew it i knew yeah it. all right let's learn more that's awesome thank you so much for explaining the unique uniquenesses about the academy again as a air force brat when i was young and then you know having an rtc scholarship that uh luckily for, for everybody luckily i got out of um it is awesome to see and hear about the uh the, the um uniquenesses about the academy uh, i think scotty you mentioned about you know the campus and how beautiful if you have not seen this campus you got, go google right now google image search man uh, i've been to a lot of campuses unfortunately i haven't been to the academy yet uh but it is gorgeous holy cow uh, you, you have an unfair advantage when it comes to recruiting you get someone to see the campus it's lights out you, you got to go to that place it's it's amazing so ralph as our leader here today, uh, we'll learn that you've been at the Academy for over 30 years. That in itself is amazing. I'm going to let you kind of uh, toss the ball. Who should we start with here on your staff? And let's learn a little bit more about them, how they got to the Academy and what they do for your, for your program there. Well, maybe let's start with the newest and work to the oldest. <laughs> that way you might not get to me, but uh, Devin <laughs> is the newest member of our staff. But interestingly, he was here 10 years ago. And uh, so he brings an interesting perspective. So maybe we can start with him and then go to Matt and then Dana and then Ryan and then Scotty. I was about to say, yeah, Devin's the newest with an asterisk though, right? Yeah, absolutely. Devin, how are you, sir? Good morning. I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing really, really good. So Devin, talk to us. Uh, this is unique. In fact, every one of you have a, has a unique story, which I love. Devin, tell us about you. You're on your your second tour of duty, right? Did I use that lingo? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm either going to be viscerated for this podcast for the uh, how terrible I am with my military acronyms, or people are going to be super impressed. So um, probably more the former. So Devin, talk to us. How did you get to the academy again? Oh, again, or the first time? Yeah. Well, I mean, it plays into your story the first time. So the first time, the first time started off in a hospitality tent at NCAA uh, Nationals, actually, in Eugene. Uh, Coach Lindemann was having a, a small snack and coffee, I think it was, and uh, I went up to him. I had these business cards from Kennesaw State, which is where I started my collegiate career. Um, weren't very fancy, very small school, so didn't really think much of it. But, you know, I said, hey, I'm just going to shoot my shot and gave him my uh, business card and told him I heard about position that might become available and wanted to see if you might want to meet for breakfast or coffee the next day. Um, for what, whatever reason, I don't know what all I said, because I can't remember it so long ago, but uh, he agreed and we sat down at the Hilton in Eugene and for breakfast that next morning. And we talked and I think it was about a three hour talk or something like that. And uh, Basically, just kind of had some conversations over the next few weeks. 
uh, the job. He kept the job open for me. Um, and here I was two months later in Colorado Springs from uh, Georgia. So what was there anything concerning for you? Again, academy life is different. Let's just recognize that. It's not this odd, hard, uh, uh, scary military, as Scotty puts it, you know, uh, but it is different. Was there anything about joining an academy staff that you were kind of like, uh, yeah, I'm not sure, but I'll give it a try? Or was it something that excited you and maybe challenged you? Well, I think coming from a uh, smaller mid-major school, um, I think I was just excited to be at a school that was of higher stature, and that was Air Force Academy. So, you know, the opportunity to come to Air Force was one of those, like, this is an elevated step for sure in my career. And I was, you know, young and college coaching at the time. So, um, obviously, I had grandeur or thoughts of grandeur of going somewhere bigger. So, you know, this was um, an obviously much bigger place than where I was coming from. Um, I did a little bit of research, uh, talked to some people. They all had great things to say about the academy. So, you know, I was kind of uh, wet behind the ears in a sense. I had no idea um, what it was. But when I got here, obviously, I was very excited. And I learned a lot in that first year. Um, and so it was, it was a great experience. It definitely was a really great experience from the coaching perspective to even recruiting. Um, since then, recruiting for me has become a little bit more of a, a stable. Um, so, you know, things have changed as far as how I recruit. I think I learned how to recruit here the first time and then obviously got even better with the other destinations that I went to. So that, you know, this second experience is a little bit different for me. So you left the academy and went to one or two hundred other institutions. <laughs> like seven. And, and then seven. I, I'm going to have to count that up. I'm not sure that's accurate. Uh, <laughs> uh, but more importantly, you came back. So right. what was it about coming back? I mean, I'll, I'll have to assume you had a good experience because you came back. The same head guy was still here. So it's not like it's a whole new staff and a new person right. in charge. You came back. What, what, uh, what was it about at the, uh, the well, academy that made you come back? Well, one, you know, I had taken a little bit of time to go off into the private sector and uh, I definitely wanted to get back into coaching and I wanted to come work for somebody that I knew. I didn't want to go work for somebody I didn't. Um, I knew what I was getting myself into. I knew who I was working for. I knew what kind of mentorship I was going to get. And so therefore, um, simple conversation with my wife and a couple of days later, yes, absolutely. We want to come back to the Air Force Academy when the opportunity presented itself. So, you know, it's one of those things where I think if you've been in this business long enough, you get to a point where it's like, I want to go work for people that I know, that people that I trust, people that I know have my best interest at heart and are going to mention me in a way to where we can continue to be successful. So that was the tale for me was I want to come to a place where I know who the leader is. I know where I fit. I know the place. I know I'm familiar with the, you know, system, the logistics, everything that goes on here and we can continue to be successful. And yeah, so that, it was uh, a, from that standpoint, it was a no brainer. Yeah. I'm not sure we talk about that a lot when we talk about coaches moving on to different institutions or your, uh, your goals in your career. Uh, we talk a lot about that. We want to work for a logo that we have seen on college football Saturday. Right. Um, mm -hmm. We talk about the quote unquote power five. We don't talk a lot about having that trust and camaraderie 
with the place that you're you're interviewing for that we I know that person and trust that person or or don't maybe it's a complete stranger and sometimes that can get us in a little bit of it's not the grass is not always greener on the other side it can get us in a little bit of trouble there for sure so I love that you had that experience with with coach uh, from from previous times that's awesome what um so we didn't talk about what are you what events are you working with at the academy and how's um, it going yeah I'm working with the sprints the hurdles uh, and the relays uh, so far so good. Um, felt we could have done a little bit better. I think, uh, you know, we, I got to do a little bit better job preparing, uh, for a conference championship in the coming years. Uh, but I thought we did a pretty decent job, but definitely looking, looking and excited for next year. And obviously learning a lot more about the athletes that are on the team or that I coach, um, this year and being able to take that experience and, and basically improve upon it for the next coming season. So. You know, I, I promise a lot, that, a lot of work to do and I'm, I'm not satisfied whatsoever at, as a group. I think we need to step up a lot, uh, a lot more, I should say. Uh, I, I, to accomplish. I promise I won't ask coach Lindemann how you guys are doing. This will not become a coaching. This won't be a staff review for the upcoming year. I'll just have you, your own opinions. Uh, I do love that Devin put right in there. It's like, I got to do better. We're going to do better. You know, like coach, you heard me, right? going to do better. We're, we're going to be, we're going to keep improving. Uh, that's awesome, Devin. Thank you so much, man. I really do appreciate you. You know, you and I have known each other for quite a while, uh, all the way back to the Kennesaw State days, actually. So uh, I really true. appreciate it. And I do, uh, you know, seeing you in a lot of different colors. I do love you in the, the blue and white, my friend. I think that suits you, you pretty well. Appreciate it, man. All right, coach, where are we going next? Oh, you're on mute. We've been zooming for over a year now. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to coach Layton. Matt Layton. Now this will be fun because Matt, I'm afraid I don't know you. And this is, I'm, this is the most exciting part for the podcast for me, honestly. Uh, you know, I've known Devin forever. I've known Dana forever, Ralph forever, Scott forever, Ryan and Matt. I, I got no clue. And that's what excites me the most because I love meeting new people. So Matt, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to the Academy and what you coach there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I assist uh, coach Cole with the distance and middle distance and cross country. Um, I actually, like coach Lindemann said, I have no background in the military whatsoever. So when I got here, I leaned on a um, major lion over in the corner, helping with the throws and uh, learning all the acronyms. So, and, and coach Scotty and coach Lindemann and everybody. So, um, but it's a really special place and I've really, you know, found this to be um, kind of a home for me. So uh, coming here, I'm actually from the Bay Area in California originally. Um, I consider myself a late bloomer in the sport as an athlete. Um, uh, found the sport really late in high school, but really enjoyed it. Um, didn't really run anywhere close to what I would, was hoping to do, just interruptions and, um, you know, learning by experience. Um, I actually really enjoyed the sport. I had a lot of great coaching mentors growing up and um, that I wanted to, you know, you know, learn from them and emulate. Uh, so between me learning what not to do as an athlete and learning from them, you know, I, got, I developed a really strong interest in coaching. Um, in my undergrad years, I actually went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo and started my own team when I was there. That was my foray into coaching and then went back to the Bay Area and worked at a whole bunch of different levels between club, junior college, high school. My most notable experience uh, was uh, joining the San Jose State staff when they developed and started their women's track and field team about six or seven years ago now and learning from them and, you know, being a part of that. And in that experience, we were in the mountain West. And so uh, we knew of air force air force was doing very well. 
uh, Coach Lindemann and everybody was was killing it. So, you know, we knew that they were a force to be reckoned with. And, you know, when the, I had an opportunity to go um, take a recruiting position here um, a couple of years ago, um, and, and, and a lot of people couldn't say enough good things about Ralph Lindemann. And I knew when I talked to Ralph originally about the job, he said, we want to be one of the best teams um, of the mid-major schools. We want to be at the national meet. And hearing those things got me excited. So uh, moved out to Colorado and joined the staff and um, actually um, transitioned into a director of operations role. And then over the last few years, moved into my coaching role, helping coach Cole with the distance runners. And it's been a true blessing being here. And um, a lot of the great things that we have here in terms of the recruiting side, just, you know, what we have to offer. And I always tell kids like, Hey, you know, if I would have known the things I'm telling you right now, when I was a kid, you would be interested and you would want to know about some of these things. So that's, what's exciting for me is kind of sharing the information I wish I got to hear about growing up. So a lot of great blessings here. You know, um, there's a bigger purpose involved, but at the end of the day, we want to be successful. We want to win. And so it's an exciting staff to be a part of an exciting program and some of the best kids I've ever had a chance to interact and help coach. Talk to me about your director of ops role. I, I could be completely wrong here. I'm used to that. It feels like a director of ops at an academy. I don't want to say would have more work, but there'd be more. I, I don't know. I don't know why. I just feel like there'd be more to it. Maybe because of the scheduling of the cadets and you, you know, there's maybe, um, is there more of a time sensitivity to get back on campus so they can get back into their regiment or, you know, less class missing time, anything like that? Or am I just way off base here? I, I would say that's, that's fair. And, you know, like, and I, I feel like the staff would agree, you know, like we take the academic side and the military side very seriously. Uh, Coach Lindemann likes to say we want to be champions at everything. And that involves all three sectors. That's athletics, academics, military. So, you know, those, we have to take those things into consideration and, you know, be able to take all those things and help channel that into performing on the track as well. Do the, do the cadets, so they have their on-campus life, meaning I heard they have, you know, they're in uniform, uh, maybe most of the time, I'm not real sure, versus when they're in athletics. When you're traveling, when you're in cross-country season, you're traveling or in track season, are they dressed in their military dress or are they in, quote-unquote, what college kids wear, which I have no clue what college kids wear anymore, but... No, yeah, they, they definitely, like, if, if, you, if you see them walking around a hotel, I've heard people say, like, wow, they're very well-mannered, you know, like, everybody looks the same, we still, like, wear our Nike stuff, and walking around in um, the uniform for that segment of the trip, you know, whether that's, you know, walking to breakfast, or doing the premium at the track, or heading to competition, uh, we do um, wear what we call blues, heading to the airport, so, you know, they do look pretty sharp, and they look, uh, they look special, they look different, you know, and so we're very proud of that, and they there, there are certain things that, you know, as a program, we like to see um, how our cadet athletes conduct themselves. And that's part of it. When you say blues, is, I'm envisioning that official military uniform with their their medal, you know, their awards and stuff. Is that? I might defer that to Coach, Coach Lyon over here. She'll probably be able to explain it much better than I can. She had to wear the blues, you know. <laughs> Way to get out of that, Matt. <laughs> We're going to hold off from Dana because Dana's unique story is that she was a student there or a cadet there. See, I already blew it. So hold on, Dana. We'll get all the <laughs> aspect of that. We're not going to let Matt get off that easy. He's not just going to just throw it over. Um, so how do you, you know, distance, so cross country plus the track, those, ki those cadets, uh, th they're more time traveling versus just the, the track cadets, right? Uh, so is there a more, um, do you have more study hall? Is there more uh, paying attention to that as far as their, you know, their, their classroom side of it? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're lucky that, you know, um, 
uh, our cadet athletes are very studious to begin with. We do travel with uh, tutors on trips, you know, and we are able to, you know, take that portion seriously when they're not competing. Um, so the cross country and distance athletes, you know, they have three seasons to, to um, consider and plan for. So, you know, and in some ways I've had people growing up say sometimes when you're more structured that way all year round, it tends to help you be more successful. And so I think we do take that, you know, perspective when, in regards to academics. Do you always win the uh, GPA award for the conference? Um, I'm, I'm one of the newer members of the staff. I know they do very well. <laughs> How long have you been here? Oh, it's my fourth year here. I'm finishing. Oh, my come on. You know, four years. <laughs> They're very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, in your four years, Matt, have you always won the academic <laughs> award for your conference? Oh, they're very good. They're very great students. <laughs> where, where did you go to school? I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's San, a good school. I got my master's at San Jose State when I coached there. Yeah, yeah. My, my uh, I call him my brother. Uh, coaches at Cal Poly Slow now, Chris Baptista. So, oh, yeah, yeah Chris. I, I've heard... <laughs> how gorgeous that school is and I got to go visit and all that kind of, I mean, it's, yeah. And then, and then COVID hit, so I didn't go anywhere. Uh, Matt, uh, awesome. You're and you're the youngest because, well, I guess Devin is technically right, but you're the second least tenured on the staff. Is that right? So I, I would say that's fair. Youngest by age. <laughs> who, who would win in an arm wrestling contest though? Oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> that's the attitude i want matt thank you i love that All right, Ralph, where are we going next <laughs> let's go over to ryan ryan matt already um you know he stole your thunder we know i'll know what you coach at the academy because he you know he told us all about that so ryan tell us a little bit about yourself how you got to the academy how long you've been there uh how much are you going to defer to all the other members of the staff things like that and this is my seventh year at the Air Force Academy. Um, and when I was uh, in my previous job at Arizona State, uh, I had a lot of different roles over my seven years there. And one of them was being the, the home meet director. And Air Force would always come down in the spring to the outdoor track meets. And there was uh, one year that Coach Lindemann's wife, Cindy, came with him uh, down to ASU. And they have a very small dog. And... Uh, very uh yeah when we have staff functions over at coach lindeman's house you know give him some scratches and but um yeah the, the dog was in the stands at one of the track meets and our facilities person came over and said you know hey uh one of the coaches um has a pet and it's not allowed in here would you be able to go over and and talk to them about that and basically Wait, are, ask them to leave are you telling us ralph was a rule breaker <laughs> Wow. I just, no, I don't, I don't think they knew that there was that policy in place. You know, it's a big outdoor facility and hey, it was my wife. It was my <laughs> wife. Oh, hey, hey, we don't want to get anybody in trouble here now, Ralph. If she listens to this, I don't want I don't want no trouble there, man. Well, that's so, so, so I, Ralph was breaking the the, the rule. So okay, keep on going. Our, on our emails, you know, there's always a signature line. And so all the cadets' emails has a VR, you know, very respectfully. And so I very respectfully, at least as best I could, went over and asked Coach Lindemann. I said, uh, you know, our, our facilities person came over and, and wanted me to come talk to you about this. And, and actually the distance coach at the Air Force Academy at the time, Julie Benson, came over and said, hey, Ryan, um, your facilities person kicked Cindy out of the track. Is there anything you can do to get her back in? I said, well, I don't know. Let me go ask and see. And, and so we kind of worked through this. Um, 
And I was like, man, this is, you know, just, you, you never know what's going to come up at a, at a track meet. Right. And then um, a year later, uh, we were in Sacramento at the U S championships. And I, I met with coach Lindemann um, about the distance um, opening that he had at the air force Academy. And we were kind of talking about it and I was waiting the whole time to see if he would bring up that instance. And he, he never did. Um, and then once I was hired and, and I was on staff here, we were, um, you know, we were just talking one time and, and it came up, you know, I said, do you, you remember that? And he started smiling. <laughs> so, so yeah, he hadn't forgotten about that. Uh, during, uh, during the interview so, yeah, process, that was kind of my, my introduction to, uh, to really uh, a conversation with coach Lindemann, but he was also an alum of Arizona state at the time. And so, uh, you know, for me working at ASU and, and being able to, um, to get to know him, you know, through, uh, alumni outreach and then getting to, to meet him when he came down and then having that kind of funny situation occur. And uh, yeah, so uh, we, we had been able to see the Air Force Academy compete, you know, my previous job and uh, getting to to know a little bit more about their program. And then when I learned about this opportunity and getting to um, run a combined distance program, uh, it was a really exciting opportunity and just kind of going through a little bit of that that process and evaluating if this was a good fit. Uh, I felt like we could be pretty successful here. And so, uh, yeah, the, the men had been successful. The women had had a lot of success at the division two level and then had transitioned to division one. And um, yeah, we, we continued to build um, that distance program and then have that play into the, the track and field program, indoor and outdoor. So uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun being here and getting to work with those type of um, driven. And, you know, coach Stefan talked about some of the, the challenges that we have, but also some of the, the best aspects about recruiting here. Um, and I think for us, you know, breaking through some of those maybe misperceptions or just getting the information about what this opportunity and experience actually is, getting that in front of prospects is one of our biggest challenges. But the flip side is once you get people that see that this is the right fit for them, the, the transferable skill set is very high. So we end up benefiting as an athletic program because we do tend to get people who are very uh, they're very disciplined. They're very structured. They're very motivated. They're very competitive. And so you don't have to necessarily sell that to them or try to, you know, get square pegs fitting into round holes. Uh, but it's also about the team. And so they're coming to a place that, as some of the other staff members have said, it's, it is about more than them. So as far as building that, that team dynamic and buying into something greater than themselves, they're already kind of thinking that way because they see the value of, of joining a branch of service or, uh, serving their country and so from an athletic standpoint building that that team culture uh, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with why they're here in the first place and so that ends up being a really strong benefit uh, and it's really helped build a, a highly competitive uh, track and field and cross country team which has been pretty neat as a coach it makes us look good uh, because people are like yeah you guys are doing a great job it's like well the, the kids do so much of it just by not the type of athletes that they just are, but the type of people they are. And so that's, that's always really fun to be able to work with them. With your meet ops background, are you in charge of meet ops at the Academy? Um, I, I would say, you know, coach Layton and coach Lyon and coach Steph and uh, coach Lindemann is, you know, he sits up top and he directs the show. Um, but we, we have a great staff and, and no, I, I would say, that our events would not be what they are without the efforts of Coach Lyon and Coach Stefan and Coach Layton. Um, he wears so many different hats. 
you know, I try not to bother him during the, the track season because he, he just does so many different things for us. Uh, if you watch, I mean, families and, and spectators, they, without being able to be inside the facility this year due to COVID, they could log on to YouTube and, and have a full scale production uh, for our home meets because of the efforts of coach Layton. So, uh, we, we have a great staff. And so I've, I've been very fortunate to not be as involved in, in certain aspects of, of that and be able to focus more on, you know, on coaching our, our distance program and our student athletes or our cadet athletes, but, um, our staff, that is one thing that is different, um, at air force that it's very all inclusive. I mean, the, the people on this call, um, we, we get support from our athletic department, just like every other school, but uh, they go above and beyond the people on this call. I mean, they, they do more uh, than any other staff I've been a part of, and I, I can't say enough about their efforts on that front. They, they do a lot. What I really want to know is, are dogs allowed at Academy home track meets? Uh, Moose is in the office right now, but that's kind of like, you know, a staff mascot a little bit. Uh, Moose lays in the hallway and everybody walks by and gives him some scratches Scotty's rolling around on, on the floor with him and uh, so yeah our, our policies are, are a little bit different but uh, yeah it's it's been a, a lot of fun being here and, and the events that we put on and, and getting to have uh, you know more than just human spectators at the events is, is kind of fun too you, you know I'm waiting for someone emotional of, support animal that's it that's right there who, who himself needs the emotional support yeah. right a lot of programs will at their home meets run the, uh, you know, fastest kid in the city type of competition, you know, to get the community involvement. I'm waiting for someone to do the fastest dog competition uh, at a meet. And, and I would recommend you do it in the infield. Don't do it on the track. So you don't have to clean, you know, there's, there's going to be an incident here. Um, and maybe I'll wait and ask Dana, but did you guys see that uh, it kind of went viral that video where that dog yeah yeah has that uh, moose has ever participated is that moose ever been the anchor leg never all right that's good no. that, that was a, a video is anybody not seen that you, you don't want to talk about that that little dog that jumped it looked like it was at the at, the, at uh, franklin field at pinrela but it wasn't it was uh i don't even i don't even know where it was but this dog just jumped out of the uh, stands basically and hawked down the anchor leg too of a four by one, which was the best. Not only did the dog get on there, but the dog was like, I'm not losing here, buddy. He kind of, kind of did a little out of the lane tripping at the end, but, um, that's the first that thing. Would I thought, be moose. Yeah. That was the first thing I thought of when we talked about Ralph's dog. I was like, Oh yeah, yeah that dog is getting in some trouble. They just want to compete, man. That's all they want to do. We just need it. When those dog bones, that could be the relay baton. We, we can do, we could figure out a four by one. Well, Ryan, thanks, man. Really do appreciate that. Appreciate your perspective on uh, and what you do and how you do it there at the Academy. Ralph, where are we at next? Uh, last but not least, Dana Lyon. <laughs> hey, Scott, he has already just thrown you out, by the way. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he talked so much early, I thought he was all done, you know? Yeah, we, we all get it. Every one of us was like, yeah, we understand how that happened. No, we, we, we got it. We got it. <laughs> Dana, you're the only reason I invited the whole staff here. I really just wanted to interview you. We've known each other you, since you were an athlete. Love it. Love seeing your um, transformation, I guess might be the right word, from athlete to where you now are as a coach and uh, doing just an amazing job. Talk to us. You have a really uh, interesting, unique perspective because not only are you on staff, that, that's great and that's extremely unique, but when you talk to an, uh, a recruit, 
you're coming from a whole different place. When, when a Devin or a Matt is explaining about drill and, and regimen and class size, they're doing it because they've heard the stats and heard the stories. You've lived the stories. You've created the stories. So talk to us about your uh, career path there at uh, the Air Force Academy. <laughs> I kind of don't know where to start. Obviously, um, I went to the Academy and graduated in 2006 um, as a walk-on. Um, originally recruited to play basketball. Um, for those that don't know, I'm 5'2", and uh, was from Kentucky, and all we knew were horses and hoops, and we were too poor for horses. Um, so I uh, played basketball. I got recruited to play here at the academy, um, hated it from day one. And so um, I had been a shot put and discus thrower and state champion, 1A, 2A, uh, out of Kentucky and Florida. And so uh, my brother actually was a couple of years ahead of me at the academy and had Scott Irving, um, who was the throws coach at the time. Remember Scott? I do. Um, How did I forget that name? Of course, Scott Irving. Right. Yeah. Right. So uh, my brother had uh, co- was taking tennis class, and I think that's something that we failed to mention maybe uh, or forgot or like to already forget because um, teaching courses are over, but we do teach PE classes as well as staff. All um, of you. We all do have a, a teaching uh, requirement. So well, Hold on, then. Let's pause for a second, Dana, because I want to know what everybody's teaching. Devin, <laughs> what are you teaching for PE? I got to hear this. Uh, boxing and golf. I know you golf, so I guess that yeah, makes sense. Golf, yes, yes. I, I'm fearful that I didn't know you box because I feel like boxing I, just so I can knock Ryan out every now and again when he yeah, gets out. I, I feel like I've said some things untoward to you every once in a while, and now I realize I could have gotten a right hook by saying those things. Well, I mean, you know, power hand, yeah, power and, hand, exactly. And it Straight feels like it feels Straight like. Down feels like boxing would be a big deal at an academy. A uh, good friend, you guys probably all know him. If you don't, you need to. Scott Richardson at Auburn University used to be at the uh, the other academy. We'll just say it like that, right? Uh, I know the rivalry. Um, and was a boxing instructor there. And I was like, holy cow, man, like you've got a bunch of military guys and gals and you're teaching them boxing? That seems a little high level. Uh, boxing. Okay, good. Uh, uh, Matt, what are you teaching? Don't tell me boxing. Boxing, golf, and tennis. Are, are you seriously? Wait, very serious. Also golf. This tells me there are a lot of golfers in the academy. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's the chair force. You got to learn how to play golf with your See, uh, commanders. Now, I did not want to bring that up, Dana. I'm glad you did. When <laughs> I, served, I can say it. <laughs> when I was in the Air Force, ROTC, up in Illinois Tech, Debt, uh, debt 195, by the way, uh, we also had Navy ROTC. We had Navy ROTC with uh, Marine Option. Those were the super crazy ones. And we had Army ROTC. And they used to just, it was relentless, Dana. They would always call us the chair force. It was, uh, I mean, I embraced it, but uh, I still, it felt a little hurt, a little attacking. Hey, life's about choices. Choices have consequences. So I, <laughs> I prefer to sleep in a bed, not a cot on the floors. <laughs> Man, amen. Absolutely. All right. So Matt, you're teaching, you said a boxing, you, boxing too, boxing, golf, and did you say tennis? Tennis, yeah. Do, do you have any background in any of those? Uh, golf, play for fun, tennis, junior high, boxing, the last year teaching it. <laughs> Ryan, if you tell me golf and boxing. I'm, I'm not a golfer unless there are a lot of obstacles in the way and the holes are really short you know if you have to switch clubs beyond the putter that's out of my element amen uh, but yeah I, I teach boxing as well 
Uh, all right, Dana, what are you teaching? We'll get to you, Scotty, when we get to you, if we get to you. I'm not sure Ralph is even going to pick you today, but uh, Dana, what are you teaching? If you tell me boxing. <laughs> I have taught boxing, but I teach uh, predominantly yoga, softball. Um, they put me in volleyball and soccer this year, which I don't care for those. So you sports. you just you just get assigned and then you got to learn it because it, it's introductory. We're not trying to take people to the tennis tour or the WBA, whatever boxing is, right. Et cetera, right? They're they're bucketed in like combative sports. Um, swimming is there's aquatics and then lifetime sports. So pickleball, tennis, golf. Um, yeah. So there's is, a lot of sports. Is there not a track course? So <laughs> there's not a track course, but there's a there's an introductory to physical development and, and uh, physical like physical training. Um, so I used to be the course director and actually wrote that course five six years ago. Um, and then we do a, a functional fitness course, which is kind of a level two teaching more of the Olympic lift. But um, I, feel, I feel like I spent enough time in the weight room. I kind of decided to go. I, I choose to play the sports when I teach them. <laughs> that way I can enjoy that hour and 15 minutes. So I, I got like, kicked out of basketball class because I was running my mouth to the cadets. So I don't teach that one anymore. I, I feel like you just told on, on some of the other coaches here when you said you like to participate. Uh, you kind of uh, let this one slide. It was kind of unsaid. The unlike the others is what you kind of were alluding well, to. Well, they they participate in golf class as well, but they do have to become the lead instructor, so they have to teach it. I prefer to be the assistant instructor where I can play it. Are, are you? Do you guys that are teaching boxing? Are you? Are you? Uh, are you suiting up? Are you gloving up? And they try to get us to in the summer, but we usually aren't around for it. Is this what you do when, you know, the end of the year, you're going to Coach Lindemann's house for, uh, you know, a staff party? Are you, do you bring the boxing gloves as well? Now we are. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not watching on YouTube, Dana literally just, she had them right next to her, her boxing gloves. It sounds like that's like a requirement. Like, okay, I've got my polo. I've got my hat. I got my gloves. It's time for the, the staff meeting. Got it. All right. Makes sense. All right. Thank you for bringing that up, Dana. So you're instructing, which is awesome. Um, so what, what, so you were a cadet there and a really good one, by the way, you kind of glossed over it real quick. Ralph brought it up earlier, national champion of the javelin. You had never thrown the javelin, right? You, you learned it there at the Academy and got, you know, I'd say we got, got pretty good. Do you own the school record? Yes, yeah. sir. Oh, good, good. Uh, that means you're not doing a very good job as a coach, right? Cause, cause apparently gotta, not. Right? <laughs> you gotta, you gotta make your own record. Apparently not. I've talked to coach. I'm like, I'm not really enjoying teaching this javelin thing. I'm Ralph, like, is she recruiting nothing but shot putters, discus throwers, and hammers? Hammer anytime, and discus. Anytime a discus or a javelin recruit comes in, it's like, nah, coach, I don't think they would make it here. They need to go somewhere else. Now, Ashley, so her, her mentor, uh, Scott Irving, had a knack for finding javelin throwers uh, from that were cut from the baseball team or the softball team or just finding them any any found Dana and uh, she continues to do the same thing and uh, we've got a javelin thrower that's in the Air Force's world-class athlete program right now that she took from the baseball team and she had to reteach him his mechanics and uh, and and he ended up you know being uh, finishing second in the conference and wow. now he'll be thrown in Olympic trials in a couple of weeks so I mean that's um that's a gift. And it was a gift that was given to her and she in turn uh, gives it to uh, any cadet she can find that she thinks might have an arm. What, what I love about your athletic story, Dana, is you, you had none of the physical, what we'd look for, right? You mentioned your five foot two. I mean, no, uh, maybe even when Scott was Irving was, was saying, Hey, I'm going to have this 
Dana cadet come out and throw the javelin. Everybody's like, why, why? what do you do? You know, why don't you just make her a high jumper then? What are you doing here? Right. And what I love about it is not only did you achieve, you succeeded. I mean, uh, school records, national champs, you threw at the highest levels. I mean, it's, I love that story. Cause that's the overcoming whatever obstacle you think you have. It's only if you let it be. <laughs> so right. I, I love that story. So you had to, you, did you go on? Did you have a career in the Air Force? I did. I was an acquisitions officer. So more of the business side of the Air Force. Um, so we worked program management, um, worked for modernization and sustainment of our weapon systems. So my first assignment was with the A-10 Warthog. I was at the systems program office. They're doing like modernization upgrades. Um, but acquisitions is kind of, we talk about like conception to, to grade, right? So coming up with an idea that a warfighter needs, whether it's an actual plane um, or just um, some type of device that you can add on to and build onto um, to make our weapon systems more um, lethal if necessary, but more productive, more um, for the customer, the customer that being that the warfighter. Um, so I was working on an onboard oxygen generating system um, and uh, basically taking the bleed air. It's what we bleed in or what we breathe in uh, commercial airlines um, and how they take the bleed air and they can convert that into usable oxygen. Um, the A-10 originally had uh, liquid oxygen, which was actually very expensive and very dangerous for the maintainers. So working on programs like that, we, had re uh, we worked on uh, replacing the wings. The A-10s are uh, pretty old in our inventory. And instead of, uh, I guess it was before the F-35 really came about, we were trying to fix and patch up the A-10, um, did some heads up display stuff. So within their uh, their helmet um, and on, you know, the windshield, if you will. So if you ever seen, you know, those new fancy cars that tell you how fast you're driving from the windshield, that's the same idea that we were working on in the cockpit um, with the A-10. And then I worked in the Space and Missile Systems Center, their systems program office um, as a kind of tenant unit at Peterson Air Force Base. Our, our parent unit was in LA. Um, and so we worked on military um, satellite communications um, the Millstar and a couple different constellations that we had up there um, were ground terminals, sent up signals and sent them down to the warfighters so that they could do some crypto stuff. So. Dana, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> I had to break that down. I didn't use any acronyms. Because, yeah, that was great, by the way. But, uh, you know, I see Dana and I go, oh, javelin thrower. And now <laughs> I go, oh, coach, you know, doing a great job. Uh, no, ma'am. Uh, you, holy cow. Uh, and, and you know, who, you know, who should be really embarrassed, you know, all Devin posts on social media is his meals, his, his, uh, food shots. And you're over here doing heads up displays with, uh, regenerating oxygen, all those other fancy things that I have no clue what you said. Uh, wow. I, I'm, I'm amazed. So the, what in the world are you doing coaching? <laughs> Meaning <laughs> that stuff seems way more important than yeah. finding the next shot putter. Right. Well, I had a, a very uh, unique and personal life uh, tragedy uh, that brought me back to the Academy. And uh, so in the midst of that grief, I, I just said, Hey, put me in the athletic department. I just want to go teach. Um, and coach Lindemann was there uh, right alongside me. Um, the whole step of the way. And so when he found out that I was going to be coming back to the academy there, the academy was actually in need of some strength coaches. And so there was a middle, I was still active duty. There was a military position um, opened up in the strength conditioning that actually kind of came about through sequestration when we lost um, some positions, which I'll kind of come back to that. Um, and so he said, I want Dana to be our strength coach. 
at the time I only had my personal experience. And so um, just that fact that he believed in me and said, this is what we want. I don't care that you don't have, you know, all the letters behind your name um, just really gave me the encouragement, motivation to start studying. Um, I ended up getting my uh, CSCS through the National Strength Conditioning Certification. Um, and I got distinction there. And then I've, I've gotten, I don't know how many other certifications now um, as a result of being involved in strength conditioning. So I, I kind of got back connected with the team um, in May of 2014. And so I was working with a couple other teams, women's basketball, women's soccer as their strength coach um, until uh, I decided that I wanted to get out of the Air Force. Um, and it happened that a position to open back up um, that we regained from um, sequestration. So we were down a coach for what coach few years, three or four years. Um, and so when that position came uh, available again, um, I, I jumped on and, and they said, I want you to be our job coach and strength conditioning coach. And so I did that um, for two years. And then um, through some coaching changes, became the throws coach um, full time. So wearing multiple hats, PE teacher, I always joke, I'm you know, two inches too short to fly, two inches shy of the Olympic team, but I'm a PE teacher. And uh, but teach PE, strength conditioning, and and train and the throws coach right now. Do you so super unique? You went from um, I don't know what what do you call non-military people? Are we just sit, public citizens? Civilians. Civilians. There we go. So you went from civilian to military. Now back to civilian as far as like you know the the staff position here. When a uh, when a when a fellow coach staff member here complains about something, do you just kind of just chuckle? I mean, you, you've done so much that you're like, you're worried about your reservation got canceled, Devin. Oh my God. Uh, let me tell you about this heads up display that I don't know. I'll, I can't even make up anything. Remember we, we are in the air force. I, I, what, what did uh, that uh, Reezer say? He threw a, he flew a BD 40, right? A behind the desk four drawer. <laughs> that's like, that's what I did in the air force. I mean, I did deploy, uh, I had a combat deployment there, but other than that, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, you, you know, the unfair question is, is why do you enjoy coaching the academy? I, I've always had a, uh, an affinity for alums who are coaching at their alma mater, right? Because when you talk to a recruit and you're telling them how great your institution is, it's not just because they give you a paycheck. It's like, no, I chose here. I had other options and I, I chose here. So it's just so much more special when you're calling to talk about the opportunities of the academy versus, uh, I'm just going to keep picking on Devin, versus Devin. Well, I like to point out kind of one more thing is I, I know I talked to a number of recruits that are saying, oh, well, you know, you have all this other military stuff and school is really hard. Um, I want to be a national champion or I want to be, I want to be really good um, or I want to do this post collegiately. I, I did that. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to say, um, not only can you come to the academy and have all the opportunities of a division one athlete, um, you can be successful. And so coming from someone who had never thrown the job on the board, two time NCAA champion to being in the world-class athlete program, I did get a 3.0 a couple times. I have gone to grad school that the military paid for. Um, you, you can be all that. And, and I like to tell people, it's not in spite of the fact that we have the military aspect. It's because of that, because what we are training in the discipline and the character on the track, you know, they're training the same thing up on the hill um, in the classroom and in the military side of stuff. And so to me, um, it has to be that, that unity and that bonding and that mindset of the athlete um, to make sure that you can take care of your grades and stay out of trouble in the squadron so that you can come down um, and train to be um, an elite athlete. And so I can sit there and say, I, I can speak from experience that it can be done. 
it's, it, it might not be the easiest route for me. It was, it, it's the way that absolutely made sense. Had I not come here, I never would have probably found the javelin. I still would have thought I was a basketball coach and, you know, no offense to anybody that's, you know, on their second or third or fourth or option, but of life, but I, God answered prayers that I never even prayed for, uh, for me to be able to sit in the seat right now. Yeah. Don't worry. No basketball coaches are listening to this podcast so we can talk <laughs> about them all, all we want. Uh, but I do love that mind shift that you described there, Dana, uh, instead of, in spite of being at a, a military academy, it is due to being at a military academy. That's a, that's a real, you know, that's an important lesson we're working on a lot of things, even outside of academy in our regular lives and other coaching staffs of, you know, getting to not have to, you know, the, the, the just that mind shift uh, that can, you know, make a, a big difference in what you're doing and, and the um, successes that you have or, or don't have. So uh, Dana, that's so awesome. Uh, you know, I love you to death. And um, I, I don't think you overachieved with what you we're put here to do. I think you have achieved. You, you are doing exactly uh, what, when, why, and how you were supposed to do it. So you're Thanks, awesome. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Thank you. Ralph, do we just skip Scotty or has no, he we're, we're on Scotty now. He's, he's out of out of timeout. So we've already heard from Scotty. We know all about him. Uh, he's already told us how long he's been there. 14 years, which I don't think I realized that because I've been here at Gill 15. So we're kind of parallel. Uh, on where you uh, where you've been so Scotty talk to us uh, tell us what you coached there at the academy um, how'd you get there and um, why are you still there um got to be talking again uh, been here for 14 years I love it um, I work with the vertical jumpers and jumpers and athletes I'm primarily responsible probably for the pole vaulters and high jumpers help coach Lindemann to do athletes um, I do not teach boxing here I teach unarmed combat so I don't teach people how to hit people. I teach people how to technically can end people's lives. So yes, I teach an unarmed combat class. Unarmed combat. Isn't that a fancy way of saying like MMA or something? What is unarmed combat? No, no, it's, it's better than that stuff. It's, it's something I had to learn when I got here. And they said, you're going to teach combatives. I'm like, what the heck? So it was about a year of doing it that uh, I, at times I've rolled around on mat, rolled around with cadets on mats, you know, uh, wrestled with them and put them in chokeholds and teach them how to uh, to uh, hurt people when you don't when your weapons don't work. So it's kind of fun. All right, look, if you are a pole vault recruit for the academy, just <laughs> just keep that in mind. Make sure you're listening to coach, doing what you're supposed to be doing, or you know, there's uh, alternatives. But I also do teach golf and pickleball, so I'll go from one extreme to the other. Which is which is which is kind of a it's it's unique. We do have to teach here, and you know when you walk to class, sometimes it's like I got to go teach. But once we're in class, we I get in trouble because I have too much fun with the cadets. I'm not as probably as military, but uh, but I've been teaching here, so it's good. I got a PE background back in the day, and I use it a lot here at here uh, teaching. Do the Dana? Maybe you're the best one to answer this, or maybe Ralph, because you've been there for 30 years. Do the cadets know, like when when Scotty comes, you know, they're meeting Scotty for the first time to teach golf. Do they go, oh yeah, this dude, he didn't come to the, he he's not an academy guy. It's just a this is a civilian. Uh, do they, they can they kind of tell the background? Yeah, yeah, you, you can absolutely tell. <laughs> they're like, all right, Civvy, what are you gonna teach us today? <laughs> Well, usually like a lot of those instructors have, again, similar to the, the academic background, a lot of them have their own personal background in the sport. So it's not. And then there's Scotty. I mean, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and coach Cole and Devin teaching boxing, but 
you know, boxing, they have what? Six, seven instructors usually just trying to make sure there's like the safety aspect of it. Yeah, right. Usually have like the boxing coach and some other people actually teaching the skill set. And then we kind of come around and make sure that, like, no offense, I'm sure you could teach a great power hand there. Coach Cole, Coach Cole, or Coach Layton. But. I always say there's a, you know, cross country and boxing, they have a lot in common. So the very first day when you introduce yourself and you tell them where you're from, you know, and uh, what sport you coach at the Air Force Academy, I always say, yeah, yeah, cross country and boxing, there's, there's a lot in common. And they, they always kind of like look at you funny. Uh, so there's a, a quote. So, Mike, okay, if you get this quote, right, um, every, so in boxing, right, everybody has a plan. I, I was punched. No, you, you should be able to, you should be able to get this one. I was going to ask, get this one, you know, how much of a future, you know, teaching boxing. I was going to, first of all, no future, but <laughs> I was going to ask for everybody who teaches boxing, please tell me the first slide or the first day you do the Mike Tyson quote and say, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. By the way, that's, See, you got it though. That's the thing you, you have, you have the future, right? You, you knew it. Uh, no, no. First of all, Ryan, I'm not starting work with that, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to doubt his recruiting aspects, you know, his identification. If he's still thinking that I got a shot at teaching boxing, you're, you're off, off base here, Ryan. Uh, but that's also, isn't that a great quote for cross country, though? Right? Like you got this plan, you're going to hit these splits, et cetera. And then the pack goes out in four minutes 30, and you were supposed to just clip along at 445. And here you are here in 430. Well, you better, you better be able to adjust, right? You better, yep, you yeah, punched, you have right? to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's why we, we always joke at the beginning that there's a lot in common between cross country and boxing, and they don't they don't see it at first. But uh, one of one of the neat things with that class and and a lot of the classes, particularly uh, the combatives or the aquatics, or, or really having cadets put in uncomfortable positions and learning to have poise under pressure. And again, that goes back to that transferable skill set between athletics and just the overall cadet experience in their education. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of joke that I wish on a recruiting visit, we could put every recruit in, you know, in the boxing class just to see how they respond. Right. Because yeah, if you, if you don't have that poise under pressure, if you're not excited about kind of learning that, you know, being comfortable, being uncomfortable, uh, yeah, it's, it's good to know. And you'd rather know that on the front end of a recruiting process. But, uh, I think a lot of the kids that gravitate toward an institution like this, that's kind of in their skill set or in their wheelhouse. So the, the boxing class is actually kind of neat. Uh, yeah, jumping off the 10 meter, you know, I got talked into it one time and when you're standing there on the pool deck, it doesn't look that high. And then when you get up there and you're a lot closer to the ceiling than, than the pool, uh, you just figure, all right, you know, here we go. Uh, jumping out of uh, an airplane in one of the summer programs, you know, uh, when that door opens and apparently you have one hand on the side of the plane and, and one hand on the support structure, you know, holding up the wing and you're kind of dangling there and you let go. Um, yeah, that, that's an experience. So for the kids going through this type of stuff, you know, the pole vaulters, they're always kind of crazy as it is. So, you know, I think coach Stefan benefits from that by getting some adventurous type of people that, you know, if they, they get excited about those type of experiences, they're also going to do really well in the pole vault. So yeah, it's kind of neat the experiences the kids have, but it's also, pretty cool how that that skill set is beneficial for what we do in athletics but there, there are a lot of opportunities to um, have your your poise under pressure tested and, and developed and that's one of the neat things about being here one of the things that scotty and i talked about before we hit record was have you ever seen that show pti on espn where they give points to the different panels and they have a, a mute button and we can go back to someone else yeah because uh, one of the things we got to talk about with Scotty is I was super interested when Dana was explaining 
all these super fancy things that she did that are so vital. And through, through the whole time she was telling that Scotty was down there going, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, kept shaking his head. And I was like, like Scotty, like, like gets this. Scotty, tell me of your uh, your A10 warthog experience with the recycled air because that's dangerous if you don't. Things like that. What's your take on that? Uh, I leave all that stuff up to Dana. That's a little above Smart. my skills. Um, yes, we're, I graduated from the University of New Mexico where I was coaching before before I came here and. Um, it was a good day if I made it to class back in the day. So, um, you know, I was usually at the track or, or doing something when I went to school. But, uh, you, you know, I joke around with the kids here because, uh, you know, sometimes when I send out a workout, they'll, they'll send back, you know, you got a typo here or something there. But, uh, um, you know, it, it's a bit like I said before, I've been here for 14 years. My cool story was I thought I was going to be the head coach at the University of New Mexico. That's where I went to school. I had a big love for it. Uh, I helped get a track there, indoor track and everything. And, and Coach Linderman has always, always, always been very, very supportive in my career. And, um, you know, I, I thought I was going to get the job. thought it was a done deal. And Coach Linderman said, I want you to get the job. I would like to mentor you as a head coach. But if you don't, come up here and be my jumps coach and everything. I said, okay, deal. And when I found out I didn't get the job, I called Coach Linderman. Yeah, I was crying. I said, I'll be there in two weeks. Wow. And truthfully, the best move of my life, you know, coming up here and working with the staff and, and, and Coach Lenderman. And I've been blessed to have some some good pole vaulters and, and do some things that uh, it, it's like I said, I don't want to go anywhere else. I mean, I look outside my window at 7000 feet. I look at Pikes Peak and it's not raining. It's been raining two days. But uh, being here, excuse me, working with the cadets, seeing what they get to do, the opportunities that we get to do, the things that we get to do. It is priceless and, and, and seeing what these young men and women do and go on their careers and everything. I mean, I, when Coach Landon is a storyteller. I'll tell you one really fast story. Um, I was teaching golf with a hockey guy who crossed commission and uh, Mitch and I were teaching golf and um, he, I was a lead instructor. He, he was, uh, was my um, assistant, but then I, I, I'm watching the news one night and I don't know if people remember that those kids that were in the cave in Thailand, um, I'm watching and everything, and it's ABC News at night. And Mitch is the lead U.S. guy getting those kids out. I'm like, I've taught golf with that guy. So, you know, wow. our kids, some of the places they've done and the things they do. Uh, obviously, I love seeing them run fast, throw far, and jump extremely high. But uh, I get a real thrill of seeing uh, people in their career, what they're doing around the world. And, and uh, you know, when I first got here, I knew nothing about the Air Force Academy. I got here um it was coach Lennon taught me but I had a group of guys that kind of taught me uh, some of my pro vaulters and, and and one of them Marshall Wills who actually crossed commission and got out and I think it was army after he graduated he was calling them bomb strikes in bad places and then two days later he's talking to me via Facebook I'm like Marshall shouldn't you be ducking and stuff like that but uh, you know seeing what these young men and women do and being part of their life has, has, has been probably one of the biggest highlights of my life coaching career. You know, Scotty, you've done such an amazing job at the academy. In fact, you've done such a good job specifically with the pole vault. That's what you're mm -hmm. certainly known for, right? Uh, right? That that when you don't have, when the academy doesn't have a kid at nationals in the pole vault, it's like, well, what, you know, what the heck, man? I mean, it's become a tradition. Is the pole, does the pole vault lend itself? I mean, you, you know, we've talked about the discipline that's needed academically, uh, military, uh, militarily mm -hmm. and, and athletically. Um, you know, we know that 
they're, they're, they're givers, they're selfless people who come to the, to the academy to be students because they know when it's over, they're, they're, they're going to serve. I mean, it's, it's, you can say, you can say that one of two ways, right? They got a guaranteed career, but also they're serving. I mean, they're going in, they're doing the things that you explained. Does the pole vault event specifically lend itself to that type of like of um, persona or is it just, mm-hmm. you're just an amazing coach, which, which is also part of, it. I don't, I know yeah. I joke around a lot, but that is, I do mean that in, in a good sense. What, what, I think what is it? Lucky because pole vaulters are crazy, you know, and, and the back, they don't do it so much more, but about five, six, seven, eight years ago, all the pole vaulters had their own parachutes and they would jump out of planes a lot. Obviously you can get taught to jump out of planes, but they all purchased their own shoots and would go to various places and, and jump out and, and do some crazy things. I mean, Kel Simmons, one of the best pole vaulters I've ever had, dude is fearless. I mean, we talked about the 10 meter platform that he jumped out of. There's actually a way to crawl up in the ceiling and jump out higher, which he's done before a bit. But uh, I think almost all my pole vaulters that I have now, or at least 80% of them are flying jets or planes around the world and, and doing some cool things. Um, Joey Uli and Rob Simmons, Kel's twin brother, are teaching people how to fly planes down in Mississippi now. So, wow. so it's cool to see a lot of these. We actually, this is, is before my time, we have a, a former pole vaulter that's flying the B-1 bomber, you know, and taking 25-hour missions. So it, it's, yeah, to answer your question, I think it does help that uh, flying some of these planes and doing, it's crazy and it lends itself to, to, to pole vaulting and everything. It was before you, but who was the vaulter, Ralph, you might remember. Um, I think he did pretty well for the academy. He was really good in high school. He's from Indiana. He won the state championship. This would have been around 2000 or yeah, so. Paul Gensick. Paul, Paul Gensick. Yeah. I, I, so second place was Matt Campbell. <laughs> no one remembers oh, second yeah. place except for me because I signed him at the JUCO that <laughs> I was at in Kansas and he ended up going to Missouri Southern with the Rutledges and doing really well there. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember there was a kid who, who won that went to the Academy and did really well, if I remember correct. Yeah. We uh, actually had four Gensick brothers that went through our program. Three were vaulters and one was a decathlete. Yeah. They were from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember, I couldn't remember what the family was, but I do, I remember there was a brotherhood like that just went all the way through the Gensick. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's amazing. Do, do you get, you know, there's legacy, um, admissions into other institutions. Does that occur at all our academy or do they all have to be individually meet the marks and yeah, they've, uh, they've got to meet the minimum standards or they can't get in. But what happens is, uh, somebody comes in and, uh, they have a good experience and their younger brother or sister follows in their footsteps. The the Simmons twins actually, um, followed their older sister, um, Rachel Simmons, who ended up becoming a helicopter pilot. One of real good early female vaulters. Uh, Dana's raised her hand. Her, her yeah. brother was a swimmer here. Did, did the Gensigs, am I pronouncing that right? Uh, Gensig, right. Gensig. Did they have a fifth brother that just? Yes, they did. And he played basketball at um, uh, Bethel in Indiana. Oh, yeah. He just didn't want to go to the academy. It wasn't that he wasn't yeah, up to snuff. Right, yeah, but yeah. he was a great. He was a terrific young man. And actually, there. Uh, so all the Gensicks are in pretty amazing careers right now. And the youngest, Matt, who was a decathlete, is a C seventeen. And um, uh, he, we actually, uh, he actually stopped in our office this fall, and and uh, has been flying with some of his other former teammates that fly C seventeen. So pretty, pretty exciting stuff. Uh, so a C seventeen is a plane. 
Yeah. You guys have done really good not throwing out all the acronyms, by the way. I'm, I'm pretty impressed. I was, I was ready. I really was. Um, you know, if the, if that other Jensen brother wanted to come to the Academy, didn't make it, that'd be an awkward Christmas dinner. The C-17 <laughs> tends to be our, uh, our mode of transportation a number of times to our track meets. So we're able to fly on military airlift. So C-17, KC-135 is a refueler that'll take us. Uh, and, and, to kind of poke at Devin a little bit more, if you've seen one of his tweets, was it to Drake Relays that we took the yeah, um, yeah, Air Force One? Yeah, so some of us took commercial on that one, but Devin got the Devin and Ryan got to fly on the little Air Force One. Have you ever, and maybe cross country because there's a smaller roster number, parachuted into a meet? <laughs> the pole vultures would if we'd let them. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> hey, you know, you guys had something set up that uh, because of COVID didn't happen that I thought was super awesome. And I hope there's plans to do it now that we're out of COVID or getting out of COVID. You guys had a, uh, a tri-meet, I think, set up. I think it was for cross-country. I don't think it was for track. I could be wrong. Of cross-country, of the Army, uh, Naval Academy, and, uh, and, and you guys, right? Am I saying that right? Was there anybody, was Coast Guard or anybody, or was it just you three? No, it was just the three of us. It was, uh, they were, uh, West Point was hosting it. Yeah, that's um, right. They referred to it as America's Race. It was yeah. going to be on Veterans Day this last November. Yes. Brian, why don't, why don't you comment on the heartbreak of, of that thing falling apart two days before it? Right. That was, that was pretty tough. Uh, the kids were very excited about it because Army and Navy, they have their star meet. And we don't participate. Uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, but we would love to have an opportunity to compete against the service academies in a three-way uh, cross-country or track and field competition. Yeah, we got to, you got to make that happen. happen. Coach Lindemann, it happened in, in track and field. They were, you know, kind of the, uh, the military school competitions. And that's kind of, um, it hasn't happened in the last handful of years. And so we, we've talked to our counterparts at the different service academies trying to set it up. And yeah, we were really excited about that opportunity. That was, that was like a lot of things over the last year, that was pretty hard. Um, we thought we were going to get on a plane and get to go do that. And then a couple of days before we found out um, due to varying circumstances that that wasn't going to be able to happen. That was, that was pretty tough for the kids. Yeah, I, maybe that came up because of COVID, you know, that the opportunity to have America's meet, uh, but you got to find a way to make that happen. And then uh, Air Force has to always jump into the, you got to do the parachuting into, you know, they do it for, you know, the, the football for Super Bowl and all mm -hmm. that, but you got to do that with a team, man. Come on, let's make it happen. Uh, Scotty, I feel like we're just black sheep in you here, man. We keep throwing, we keep going to other stories. We keep going back to cross country and stuff. Uh, but for real, Scotty, you know, you do an amazing job there with the pole vault. Um, I, I didn't know, you know, you do such a good job with pole vault. I didn't know you coached the other <laughs> events as well. So you do, you said vertical. So you're doing high jump as well. Yeah. I do the high jump as well. I kind of oversee all the jumps uh, with coach Lindemann and help with the athletes. So I, I do quite a few things, but uh, primary pole vault, high jump are, are my main, main two fields right now. So you just had not too long ago uh, a super stud male high jumper, if I remember right. Oh, uh, it's been about four or five years ago. We we had a gentleman get second nationals indoors. Yeah, and he did pretty well back in his day. I'm I'm of the age now where everything was about four or five years ago. Right. It's like, oh man, you remember Jesse Owens? He was awesome. It was about four or five years ago. It was amazing. Yeah. You know, he won all those events in, in Columbus. Yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. Uh, all right. So uh, I love your staff. I love each and one of you guys and gals. You have your own unique stories. 
But now, and I called you the, what did I call you? The grand poobah, uh, the godfather. Yeah, I know. I just wanted to do this to embarrass you. Uh, Ralph Lindemann. So talk to us. You have one thing, you have many things that are unique, but one amazing thing that, you know, I don't know that if we took time, we could name 10. You've been at this institution for 30 plus years. What has, first of all, how did you get, get to the academy? And then what, is, what has kept you? I mean, you're an, you're an amazing person and an amazing coach, that me, meaning there's other opportunities uh, available to you and you continue to, to grow at the academy. Well, I'll tell you the short version. Um, first of all, I had no background in the military whatsoever. I was a high school coach for seven years in Arizona, assistant at Arizona State for two years, two more years at Arizona. Uh, I was a head coach at Long Beach State for five years. Um, and, and the Air Force Academy recruited me. They had an opening. They wanted to hire a civilian coach. They'd had military coaches previously to me. Uh, the year before, they had transitioned our baseball team uh, to a civilian coach, and they hired a guy named Paul Maneri who went on to, to other things, uh, like coaching Notre Dame and then LSU. But um, they, they came and recruited me. Um, it, it, the job intrigued me at first. Um, my wife and I decided we came out and visited that uh, because of our family, for family reason, we couldn't take the job. The athletic director at the time, John Clune, wouldn't take no for an answer. He flew out to Long Beach. I was coaching at Long Beach State. And uh, he talked me into coming to the job. And, um, you know, again, I, was, I came here intrigued and got interested through the athletic director and, and uh, the administration really re recruiting me, so to speak. And, uh, and I came here and I thought, well, I'll be here three or four years. Uh, I'll turn the program around. I'll use it as a stepping stone. And I wanted to get back uh, as the head coach into the PAC, was the PAC 10 at the time. Now, of course, PAC 12. But um, I fell in love with this place and I fell in love because of the, the young men and young women that I got to coach. And it was those, uh, you know, and, and Scotty referred to this earlier as did some of the others. And, you know, you, um, the, those young men and young women, they teach you about the military and they teach you about their lives and what their careers are going to be. And, and about a military academy education. And, and uh, I just, I fell in love with the place I've had, three opportunities to go to other places that people might have considered a dream job or I might have considered a dream job before I came here. And I just, I love this institution. Um, I, I'm passionate about it, um, mainly because of the young men and young women I get to coach. Young, young women like Dana um, and what she's brought to our program as a, as a cadet athlete and then later, you know, obviously as a coach, but um, it, it's all of them. And we're graduating 24 seniors a week from today Wow. And um, three are going to grad school. Um, seven are going to become pilots. Two are going to become special operators in the Air Force, special tactics officer and a combat rescue officer. A couple are going into engineering. And, and uh, it's just amazing what they do and their stories. And uh, when they come back and they visit with you after they've graduated a year or five years or 10 years or even 20 years, and you hear their stories and you just go, wow. And they tell you that you impacted um, their, their lives because you taught them to be a leader of character through athletics. And, uh, and it's just, it's so impactful and it affects all six of us coaches here. And not saying that we wouldn't go ever somewhere else. I'm well beyond that point. 
but um, this is, it's an amazing place. It's an amazing place to coach. And it's because of those stories and our administration supports us. Our alums and parents have been supportive. We're able to do some, some pretty cool things um, and are kind of outside the box. And it's like, like uh, they referred to, um, we, we flew to Drake Relays on Air Force Two and in, um, you know, a custom interior with, you know, big seats and lamps and, and whatnot that the vice president and the, and the first lady fly on. And, uh, and you just get this, and, and this week, um, next, you know, next Tuesday, we'll be flying to College Station, Texas in, a, in an Air Force plane. And um, I, I'll tell you one, one quick little story. These guys know if I start telling stories, we'll be here for six hours. But uh, we were at Long Beach State two years ago, 2019, um, before uh, COVID, obviously. And we flew in there in a C-17, and the meet ended on a Saturday. And we were uh, loading our poles on, on the van and uh, our C-17, uh, the track at the Long Beach State is right in the flight line at Long Beach Airport. And our C-17 uh, flew low and slow over the track at Long Beach State, Jack Rose track. And uh, I took a picture and I posted it um, of that plane flying low and slow over the track as we're piling up our our poles, uh, strapping our poles to the top of our van and saying, hey, we got to get to the airfield right away because that C-17 had to turn around and uh, fly to Germany after it dropped us off at the academy. So it's just little stuff like that that just makes you really, this is a cool place to coach. Yeah, I, I want to make sure, did those poles go in the C-17 or did you said? Yeah, oh yeah, we just strap them down, I, I just you know, right down on the floor. We sit in troop seats. It sounds kind of, you know, bad, but they're like lawn chairs. <laughs> You know, in the plane and stretch out your legs and comfortable. And once we get up to cruising altitude, uh, unlike an airline where you might be able to walk to the restroom, our guys get out of their seats and lay on the floor and play cards or get their computers out and watch a movie or whatever. You know, in a C-17 that later is going to be in the, you know, as part of the operational air force is going to be flying missions and they have to fly missions. And so uh, their missions, um, you know, if they happen to coincide with one of our needs, they'll, they'll fly us. And we probably fly on um, what we call it Mill Air, M-I-L-A-I-R, Mill Air. It's like our own little private airline. It's like a charter. It's like Devin posted uh, after Drake Relays, uh, what does your charter look like? <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to make sure those poles were going in there because, you know, that's one of the biggest hassles you have as a, as a pole vault coach besides the Yeah, vaulters. we don't have to check any luggage. We don't have to go through yeah. TSA. Our bus pulls up to the loading ramp of the C-17. We walk up the ramp, throw our poles down, the uh, flight crew uh, straps them down, the load master, and uh, off we go. Wow. I'm not sure it gets any easier than that. <laughs> Again, especially because of vaulting. We, we just had uh, one of our team Pacer members, Katie Najat. She was just flying somewhere. I don't know if you saw this in social media. It literally just happened last night, two nights ago. Uh, and they just, you know, they accordioned the the poles uh -huh. like we're literally in the back making them replacement poles right now because this airline just decided that uh you know it should be a take apart tool <laughs> so uh i'm glad that you have uh, special planes we just need to loan those out to all the other vault programs if they could just you know make a a mill air vault like everybody's shaking the head now nah, we're we're their mission they, we can't loan them out 
I like that. You are a good mission. I love that. All right. Hey, in the sense of time, we're going to have a little fun here. Ralph, thank you so much for your background there. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, some schools, when you've been uh, such a, a, a impactful individual at a school and, and a lot of influence, they give you an honorary degree. Does the academy give you an honorary? Um, um, oh, gosh, Dana, what's the what's the. Uh, you know, there's butter bars. What, what is that? Not grade. What do they Rank? call it? Thank you so much. I'm such an idiot. Good Lord. You guys are going to think that the our, our Air Force RTC kicked me out because of that right there. I'm so sorry. Does uh, the Academy give an honorary rank? No, but I'll tell you what. So I had a Lieutenant Colonel Bill Stinson. He was an amazing assistant coach for me back in the 90s. And I figure if he was a Lieutenant Colonel, that made me the equivalent of a Colonel. But uh, there are those around here who now call me General even though I've never been in the military and it's disrespectful to call me a general, but uh, I'll take it. I like it. I was going to call you captain, but yeah, general, that, that's much more. I like that. I like that. Well, let's have a little fun. I was fun. a major. He has to outrank me. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You, you got to be amazing. What is it goes? Second Lieutenant, first Lieutenant major. Wow. Captain major. Captain major. Is that the, so the, the second Lieutenant I know is the two gold bars. First Lieutenant is that, what is that one? One silver. One silver. And what's major cap captain's major? two silver? Okay. Major is the oak leaf cluster. That's what I thought. I thought there was some kind of uh yeah, yeah, foliage. Yeah. Gold, um, yeah. Yeah. I um they they gave me bronze bar is what they gave. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, let's have a little fun. Uh, we've been doing three random questions, uh, not so rapid fire, uh, but we've got one, two, three, four, we've got five assistant coaches here. So that's not fair. So what we're going to do is we're going to have each assistant coach, give me a number one through hundred. You can see, I got, I got all of them here. Some of them are fantastic. Some of them are absolutely terrible, but you're going to pick the number and we're going to make Ralph on the hot seat here. And he's going to, he's going to answer them. And they're not, they're not always simple. Yes or no questions here. I'm going to give you a fair warning here. You're going to have to think on some of these. All right. So Ryan, you're up in my upper left. Let's have you start. Give me a number one through a hundred, sir. Well, number one. Oh man, that was a good one. Number one, 30 minutes or left, 30 minutes or less. What topping coach Lindemann is never going on your pizza? Pineapple. Really? That's a very divisive answer. <laughs> like it's the, it's the pineapple versus non-pineapple fight out there. No vegetables. No, no vegetables, vegetables on my pizza. You're just doing pepperoni sausage. You're doing the Italian sausage. What's that? Uh, yeah. Pizza hut and meat lovers or whatnot. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Extra cheese or just regular cheese? Regular cheese. Regular cheese. I like extra cheese. Uh, very good. We learned. See, let's see. We're, we're learning. That was a good intro question. Very good, Ryan. Did you see the list? That was a great intro there. All right, Miss Dana, where are we going? One, uh, two through 100 now because Ryan stole number one. 67. My favorite number is 66. I thought you were going to nail it there. Here's our own 66. We're going for 67. 67. Let's talk technology. <laughs> I feel like this is going to be a good one. Coach Ralph, were you an early or a late adopter to the whole iPhone, smartphone? Like, are you still carrying around a flip phone, my man? I No, I do have an iPhone. It's a government-issued iPhone. And I am a Luddite, a terrible Luddite. And I have to go to these young coaches on this call for them to help me. Uh, Matt's my go-to guy. I, not so much Scotty, Dana also, Devin, Ryan, uh, to help me figure out my iPhone and my iPad and even my computer and even getting on a Zoom call like this. 
you were one of the first ones on. Uh, Devin's the one who had all the problems. So uh, ask Matt and Scotty and Ryan and Dana. Devin, if you need to know how to pose your plate for an Instagram photo, Devin's your guy. Gosh. Uh, Devin, I've been picking on y'all all all time today. Uh, I do not apologize because uh, it's kind of like um, elementary school, right? The girl you liked you used to pull on the pigtails. You're the guy I like, Devin. So I like I like I like poking. Notice I didn't make fun of Dana at all. I'm just saying, just saying. Partly because I think she would beat me up. So that's that's mostly what it is. All right, uh, one in sixty-seven are off the board. Devin, where are we going? Uh, Twenty-three. Michael Jordan style, right? Yes, sir. All right, 23. <laughs> uh, Ralph, um, here. Gilligan's Island was BS. What did you grow up thinking was going to be a bigger problem than it really was? And, and why is it quicksand? I grew up thinking quicksand was going to be a major issue growing up. What did you have a fear of gr growing up that ended up being nothing to you? I lived in Chicago till I was eight years old, and I was afraid of going over drawbridges. When you went, when you drove into the loop, and you had to go over a drawbridge. Yeah. And I had nightmares about those bridges going up and me trying to climb up to the top. Or So, yeah, that's kind of crazy. But is, uh, is that news to anybody do else? Do they even exist anymore? I, no, because you drive into the loop on the interstate, you know, so there are no drawbridges on the loop. But it used to be on Cermak Road and on Roosevelt Road, 12th Street, there were uh, drawbridges going into the loop in Chicago. I'm afraid I, I lived in Chicago till I was eight years old. Those drawbridges still exist. Okay. Oh yeah. My, my in-laws live in Chicago and uh, there'll be big enough boats and stuff that come through that they have to, it doesn't happen very often, but it's, they, it happens. They're still active. Absolutely. Uh, did you think that when you drove on them, uh, they, well, you were just a passenger uh, that they were going to open up and swallow you or that they would collapse yeah, in? Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, my poor dad driving, you know, you're like, hurry, Dad, just go. Just let's get yeah, through this thing. Right. <laughs> All right, Matt, uh, top that one, man. That was a pretty good one. Where are we going? One through 100. Well, let's go with 43. Why, why 43? That seemed very specific. That's my favorite number growing up. I don't know why. <laughs> well, it's rain. Well, we already know this answer. It's raining cats or dogs. Ralph, are you a cat or a dog person? No, uh, definitely a dog person. Small dog, Bentley. Uh, definitely no no cats no no one's bringing cats to track meets <laughs> did you say the dog's name is bentley bentley yeah bentley give there has to be a reason why why bentley uh, my wife named him i wanted to name him something else so that's a smart husband but, you know it's like the uh you know the uh country song you know you, you i'll name the dogs you name the kids i'll name the dogs she'll uh, name the dogs too I wasn't allowed trying to, to teach Devin. He's a newlywed uh, that's that uh, you defer to the wife on just, just about anything and everything about the house. You know, he's in the process of buying a home and just defer to the wife. Hey, look at Dana's backdrop, by the way, that's the inside of a C-17. So that's what you're taking to, to a lot of meets. Right. And that you can see wow. some of our team there lounging. Oh, that's in actual their lawn chairs. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's That's pretty big. And you see our poles there strapped down in the middle of the place. Big? Yeah, yeah, it'll fit two buses in it. Wow. Holy cow. That's awesome. It fits a Chinook, it fits a Chinook uh, helicopter. And, and an A-10. I don't know what an A-10 is. take the wings off the A-10, you can put the fuselage and then put the wings in there next to it. Dana, if you take the wings off a plane, it won't fly. 
put him back on. I thought you would know this. You you, you were we so him, smart. We put him back on. Okay. Put him back right. on. I didn't I didn't realize we were legoing the Air Force uh, anymore. All right. Makes sense. Makes that's, sense. How, that's how we find these guys in the first place. It's like, let me see your Legos. Can you build something? Uh, that'd be another reason why I had to leave <laughs> for RTC. I can't do Legos. Uh, speaking of Legos. All right, Scotty, what's our last one here? One through a hundred. A year on mute, sir. Sorry. You know, we, we got through this whole thing. And at the very end, you, you don't mute. That's 17. Amazing. 17. Why 17? My high school football number. Nice. That's what 66 was for me. Yep. Very good. Very good. <laughs> 17, fear mountain time. Uh, this is a good one, Ralph. What fears do you have? Fear of heights, fear of spiders, fear of drawbridges? Fear of heights. Fear of heights. Yeah. You, yeah. you fly quite often as a coach, coach. <laughs> yeah, but hey, you know, it's, uh, um, I'm afraid of heights. So you're not doing roller coasters? Uh, no, I'm not big on roller coasters. When the team books hotels, are you on the first floor of the hotel? <laughs> I like to be. Do you really? That's the worst floor to be on. <laughs> Coach, have you ever jumped off the 10 meter here? Uh, yes, I have when I taught swimming. Yes, oh, wait a minute. That. Fear of heights and you did the 10 meter platform. What? Well, you kind of have to. Every cadet has to jump off a 10 meter platform as part of water survival uh, to graduate. And uh, they've softened that a little bit, but um, as an instructor, I figured I I better uh, I better be able to do it too. So I would I would do it every class. So how many times did you do this? Uh, every time I taught it. I mean, so that, there was this old fat guy jumping off the tower, you know, making a lot of waves in the pool. I mean, that had to be the other cadets had to be like, well, well, damn, I got to do it now. Yeah, if an old made. fat guy can do it, I can do yeah, it. Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Wow. Hey, bravo! Overcoming your fear. I mean, that's a big deal. The 10 meter, even if you're not afraid of heights, jumping off the 10 meter is a, is a big deal. I say that like I have done it. I haven't even climbed up. It will not ever. I have no, no water got here at all. Uh, but to have that, like that fear and then actually do it, that's uh, it's called leadership by example right there, my friend. And that's uh, kind of the theme I've heard this whole couple hours that we've had here, you know, the leadership by example from uh, Dana as a cadet herself and becoming a coach, the, uh, the classes that you guys teach. I had no idea about that. I just, I just love that. Uh, and just the uh, everyday leadership that you're giving our kids, we started off talking about, you know, it's important what you do with the cadets on the competitive side, because that's what they're going to need in their careers, in their athleticism, in their service and, and tours. Uh, and that's the, you know, that's been kind of the theme all day. And I probably should have guessed that if I was talking to the Air Force Academy staff, that leadership was going to be a theme, but uh, it's, it's been uh, real refreshing to just hear it come out of you guys' stories individually. Um, and I'm just so thankful that you would spend the time with us today and, and share your experiences. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Hey, uh, by the time you are listening to this, uh, all of the things that we've said are done. They've had regionals. They've taken their uh, Air Force ones and twos, and they've gone to Texas A&M. They've done a, a great job, uh, and they've graduated seven pilots. That's amazing because that's just in this class, and they've had seven pilots that are going to be graduating here. Uh, and I just can't uh, just thank you guys enough for your service to the boys and girls who come to the academy and become men and women and do something that uh, most of us 
will never do. Uh, you know, they, they serve for us uh, here in this country. And, uh, you know, it takes, it takes a village to raise these kids into men and women. And you are part of that village. And I'm just so, so thankful for that. So thank you so much for your guys' time and attention. I know you're, you're busy and you have a, you have a test because that's what the Academy does. Yeah. Hey, Michael, I, I want to thank you for uh, the service that you've had to track and field and to our sport and Gil to the NCAA track and field championships and, and uh, we love you guys, and um, and this has been this has been a fun a fun thing for us. Well, I will give you a shout out, Ralph. You know, when we became the sponsors of the NCAA's, you were the very first person that contacted me and said, "Hey, congratulations! Looking forward to it. Uh, makes a lot of sense." I mean, you were you know it, literally you were the very first person that reached out, and I'm just so thankful. And again, it just, it's another example of the leadership that you give, that you give to the staff as well. You know, every one of these guys and gals today had stories about, about you, Coach. You know, you've been that stalwart of this, uh, this program, uh, and I think that's a big reason for the success, to be real frank. We don't get very far without leadership, and that's what my whole passion is, is towards the leadership as it's shown in the track coach. And uh, that's why I do this podcast, and that's why I was excited to have, have you guys on the show today. Well, thank you so much, thank guys. You. Appreciate thank your you. time and attention. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Thank, thank you, Mike. See you in Texas. Absolutely. Thank you guys for being here and listening today. Uh, I just would really encourage you, if you haven't seen the Air Force Academy, go to Google right now. It's amazing. If you are a high school coach listening today and you think you never thought that maybe the Academy was right for one of your kids, I would encourage you to reach out. You know, Reach out to one of these coaches and just say, hey, I got a kid. I have no idea uh, if they would be interested or even up to the caliber that you needed the Academy, but reach out because uh, the, the Academies are where it's at, man. I'll tell you what, when Scotty explained it to me about 10 years ago, the advantages, I was kind of, I, you know, I, I went to the second greatest university in the world. I went to Troy University and it makes me wonder, maybe I, instead of doing that Air Force RTC thing, maybe I should have went to the, to the That's academy. That's because your coach at Troy was an Air Force Academy grad. Hey, one year ago, uh, big mentor, friend, father figure uh, passed away, Mr. Bob Lambert, uh, who was our head coach at Troy University, who was an excellent, excellent academy grad, high jump champ, javelin mm -hmm. champ, uh, Drake relays, uh, hurdle re shuttle hurdle relay champ. So um, you know, I have a lot of love for the Academy just for that man alone, to be real, real honest with you. So thank you for listening today. If you receive value, I bet someone else in your network would receive value as well. Please share. And again, reach out to one of these awesome coaches because uh, you might be, you might have the next pilot on your hand right there. Thank you so much. Have a great day.